0: It's among the most difficult conversations for any pilot, disappointing and perhaps even angering your passengers when weather, mechanical issues, or other factors conspire to delay or cancel a planned trip. What's the best way to explain a no-go decision? From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Flexibility is a cornerstone of business aviation. When company executives or other personnel need to travel somewhere quickly, securely, and safely, we're almost always ready to fly them to their destination. But when troubles arise with those plans, that can very quickly throw everyone's schedules into disarray. And it's often the pilot whose responsibility it is to break that news to their passengers. But does saying no really need to be a confrontational situation? Today's guests say, well, no, it doesn't. I would say that, that with
1: a high degree of confidence, we don't have a week that goes by, that we don't have at least some instance where there's, there's either a delay, there's an issue with a flight, or an adjustment has to be made. Mike Winnell, CAM, is chief pilot for Jack Henry & Associates. To me, the thing that's of most paramount importance when having to say no, if that's that's kind of really the direction we want to take it, would be that the most important part is that we're just closing that gap between information on all parties. It's that it's inevitable in the business that we do that not everything will occur exactly according to plan in all instances, and that really coming with options is is extremely important. Um, It's not just saying no, because that leaves it open-ended. It's never really a no, and it shouldn't be a no in our industry. It should be a, in this exact frame or in this instance, I can't execute the same
0: plan. But here's several options that I've got. Also joining us are Eric Knupp, Director of Flight Operations for a company based in the southeastern U.S., and Brad Lindau, CAM and a captain for a Part 91 flight operation and a member of NBAA's Small Flight Department Subcommittee. Brad, it sounds like preparation really is key when pilots are faced with telling their passengers that their travel plans have changed.
2: Yeah, I think when an incident like that comes up, to maybe take a couple minutes to gather your thoughts, maybe explore some real quick options. That way, when you address it, you have something to really respond to their their panic, perhaps, um, to to this situation, to calm their their nerves or to at least provide them with some questions. So I think it's it's better to you know think first, come up with a couple options, and then go to them with those.
0: Eric, even when pilots are ready with alternatives, I'd imagine this conversation is that much harder for them to have with their passengers when it's the return trip home that's delayed or canceled.
3: Yeah, certainly, I think there is a, an influence from. Whether you're leaving home or coming back home, as much as we try to minimize that, uh, we're pilots, we're humans. And so um, obviously coming back is a a greater motivator to do something than it would be to leave home. And so um, we try to be as objective as we can when we're evaluating uh, the circumstances surrounding whether we should or should not go. And we try to build a lot of that in place ahead of time so that we answer our own questions without the operational pressure. So instead of being under that gun and trying to make the decision right then, we can say, well, we have already have a policy on this, and this is how we're dictating whether we should or shouldn't go. And you sort of take that uh, human element out of the equation.
0: Mike, what guidance does your operation give to pilots when faced with a disappointed and perhaps even irate passenger? I think the biggest part for our crew members is letting them know that that's a natural reaction on the part of the passenger, that
1: they, they have an itinerary, they've got a plan that you're headed... That day, And that, that we really hold the tools and the information in our flight planning or our preparation that we just have to, to close that gap in, in the information side of things. And that's, that's really where you say qualifying the no, if you will, that it's not always no. It's that maybe we have a piece of information that the passengers don't have and you have to provide them with that information or alternate resources or really just kind of to start that discussion to close that gap.
0: Another factor that may complicate matters is that our industry is full of terms and acronyms that we use every day, but the relevance may not be immediately obvious to those not familiar with aviation. Eric?
3: Yeah, I find that it's most useful to put it in terms that everybody can understand. So as an example, I work for a bank, so if I can put it in terms of how we lend money and the risk that we're willing to take and the risk that we're not willing to take, there's always that aha moment. Or uh, another example might be to equate it to something else. So if we're trying to avoid a non-towered airport for whatever reason and, and the layperson doesn't understand what the difference is, I give them uh, an example of something that they might understand in real life of why there's an additional risk there. And there's always that aha moment.
2: To touch on a little bit of each of their points um, with you know, Michael, the setting expectations I think is very important um, from the very beginning. And so they kind of already are primed for that conversation, but also like what Eric said with the terms, perhaps maybe, you know, like the KISS theory, you know, keep it simple. And so using really basic language to explain the situation without getting too technical, because as pilots, it's generally easy to start talking about MEL and all these different procedures and acronyms. And that really, at that point, you'll lose your audience. And so I think it's important to be able to just Uh, also just use simple terms to to explain that to them and, and how they would understand that. Now let's place the shoe on the
0: other foot. So far, we focused on how passengers react to flight delays and cancellations. But those can also be highly stressful situations for pilots. And as we've said, we're only human. Brad, what advice would you give to help pilots keep their own emotions in check during these conversations?
2: I think the important thing is to you know, empathize with them, to understand that, yes, this is going to you know, be an inconvenience to them. But really, to start by listening, just kind of, you know, I understand that this is going to alter your travel plans. And if they want to just kind of keep going and uh, vent their frustrations, don't interrupt them or try and cut them off. You know, give them that chance to to vent. And then that also kind of give you a chance to collect your thoughts. And then once they're done, kind of empathize with them and then kind of provide, you know, your options. And so, I think just letting them vent is a, a good way to release some of that initial frustration. Now, they'll probably want to take it out on the pilots or that person that's right there in front of them. But generally, they'll probably come around and once they get that off their chest, then they'll be able to listen to you. Mike? The one thing I might add would
1: be that I think from maybe even particularly a crew standpoint is if there's anxiety in that conversation, it's just understanding that it's of no no one's fault in the instance that that no would have to occur or the change in plans has happened. It could be mechanical. It could be weather could be any number of, of operational reasons that that trip didn't happen, but that when giving that information to the passengers, there's that pause and realizing that you're going to have to give that information, but understand you're only the conduit. You didn't create the instance or it's, it's not the problem that you've developed. And, and really all you've got to do is just frame those expectations that, that you, you're not the reason it happened. You're just kind of giving the information. You're the deliverer of the news.
3: Yeah, I think it's difficult to remember, but it's important to remember that just as we may not necessarily understand uh, the core business that we work for, they don't understand necessarily what we do or all the factors that go into our decision-making. And so if you can keep that in mind, you keep that perspective, then you can take a pause and say, okay, they're just asking because they don't understand why we made this decision. So let me take a minute and explain it. And again, putting it in terms that they can understand and maybe adjusting their perspective a little bit on why, even though this may be an inconvenience right now, it's certainly less of an inconvenience than having an incident or an accident occur because we didn't adhere to our own safety measures.
0: Now, having said all this, the three of you work in flight operations in which you've established that rapport with your most frequent passengers, so they're usually pretty understanding when delays or cancellations occur. Brad, what tips would you share for pilots with companies that may not have a similar understanding yet so they may be able to establish that level of trust in the flight crew's decisions?
2: Set the expectations early. And I can think, you know, there's probably listeners that may be wondering, well, okay, here I am now a year into this operation or I, I've, I've kind of missed that initial opportunity to set the expectation. How do I now set it having been flying with these passengers after a bit of a time period and i I think it's important to as you're going through this and experience it understand that yes each each situation is different and certain circumstances may be different this time than perhaps the last time so it's really important to emphasize to get the uh, relationship set on the right foot but if you find yourself later in the process wondering okay now how do i do it well There's no better time than now, you know, start with the next opportunity to re-evaluate or have that conversation or to present some options um, instead of just kind of being, you know, well, I did it last time. I guess it's going to be too hard to bring up. I'm going to have to keep moving forward with this kind of tight expectation. So I think there's no better time than now to revisit and maybe the setting is more appropriate away from the aircraft or away from a time where you are experiencing a mechanical issue. Maybe something more outside of the hangar or outside of the you know, aircraft setting to have that conversation to maybe revisit those expectations. Mike? I think a big
1: part of it in our organization is setting that precedent before that conversation begins, whether that be that passengers have already understood the the role of the crew member on that flight, whether that be on our aircraft, we've got a CEO policy statement that says that the crew member is there to ensure the safety of flight and that it may run contrary to what the plans you may have are or or what your your ideas may be, but that the crew member ultimately has the information, they're there for the safety of flight, that's their top priority, and really empowering uh, those crew members to be able to make that decision. And it's, I think, in our organization, flying the number of passengers that we do, it becomes a little bit easier to rely on that statement and to have that confidence. But I can also see where in maybe a smaller flight department where that that relationship is more intimate with a, a principal and a crew member, that that's something that really is an important conversation to have. So, that these type of instances are inevitable, but if you define that beforehand and and shape those expectations that when you get there and that conversation occurs, that response is kind of already anticipated.
3: Mike mentioned something that uh, prompted a thought of my own. Occasionally, every once in a while, the answer is just no, without any alternate solutions. And the example I'm thinking of was an executive wanted to go to an airport. That's a private airport that's known for its challenges. Of course, there's the inevitable comments about, well, You know, I know other operators take similar aircraft in there, so why can't we? And so we just asked for some time to do some research. And when we came back with our research and found out what those operators are doing in order to facilitate that based on some resources that we simply don't have in-house, and when I explained that to the executive, he understood. And so the answer in that case was no, but when I substantiated the decision as to why certain people could or would and we would not, it went over completely fine, so it was not a problem.
0: Eric, Mike, and Brad recently shared additional perspectives on how to say no to a planned trip in an article by that title in the January-February 2020 edition of NBAA's Business Aviation Insider magazine. You can find it at nbaa.org forward slash BAI. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all flight plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store wherever you find your favorite podcasts or download them from NBAA.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan.